When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. NFL Week 1 is basically in the books. It's time to freak out. Rashad Penny was inactive. Brandon Ayuk is a god. Tyreek Hill is going to have about 10,000 receiving yards. And all sorts of other chaos happened in Week 1. RIP to J.K. Dobbins. We're going to cover everything that we're freaking out about after Week 1. Maybe what we shouldn't freak out about. Maybe what we should be panicking about. And everything there in between here on Monday Night Best Ball and Spike Week. Let's do it. Rob, as Alex in the chat says, football is back and it, it does is. feel damn good. We'll say whatever we want about how yesterday and the first few uh, days of football season and how tonight will play out. We are recording this if you're listening back later on before Monday Night Football, before Jets, Bills. But say whatever we want about how things have happened. Um, I have some things I will definitely be tilting and some things I will definitely be holding some big fat L's on so far of what happened yesterday and on Thursday, but goddamn, it feels good. It felt, it felt like it felt awesome yesterday, even with some of the really low lows, there were some really low lows both on Thursday and yesterday, but like having some of the highs and the roller coaster and hitting on, uh, some, you know, whether we've actually hit on anything is who knows. Um, but having some of those moments of, oh my God, that guy that I was drafting in the 20th round or the 18th round constantly just scored a touchdown in week one. It felt good. It felt good to be back. So let's start with this. Did you get to enjoy the early games? Did you get to watch them? Did you get to watch the red zone? So, yeah, I will say that's a that's a really good one because, you know, I, I've, I've had DirecTV. I've, I have shelled out so much money to DirecTV over the years solely, not because I watch any of the chan- the normal channels, because mm-hmm. I want they had, a, you know, monopoly on a mainly the Sunday ticket and red zone, but all, like a, kind of a lot of the sports packages. It was the where, I, you know, I would I bought all the sports packages, NBA, baseball. I watch all that shit. It's the YouTube TV. There's one flaw, but outside of that one flaw, it was a beautiful viewing experience. I had a blast yesterday. I got to enjoy the early games a little bit more than the late games. We go on Sirius at uh, 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 o'clock my, my time. So kind of like second half of the of the afternoon games. Um, so, I'm, you know, getting the dogs ready and all that kind of stuff. So I didn't get to enjoy the And the afternoon games were pretty awesome. Uh, so the, it was like a good and bad but the it, it was it was a ton it was a ton of fun being able to watch you know got the quad box up on the main tv i got four tvs in the little man cave so we're watching all sorts of all sorts of football yesterday and it was it was a, a ton of fun not a ton of fantasy fun in the early games but it was a i had a blast well it sounds like it was a great time because if you are me 
or anyone that was using Xfinity Stream to watch Red Zone and channels, the fucking service crashed at 1 p.m. <laughs> yesterday for two and a half hours. Two and a half hours on the first football Sunday. They went down literally at one o'clock. One o'clock <laughs> they went down. And I had to go. I had to like do the trial for YouTube TV. I've never <laughs> used it. So I'm trying to figure shit out. It's different. I'm, and it's different. It's very it's different than so uh, different. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like flipping between the channels because I, I want to watch everything. It was a fucking nightmare. I, dude, I was so mad. I was so mad for two. I gave myself the worst headache yesterday because I was so angry about it that I ended up going once it finally came back up and laying down and watching the last like three hours of football in bed because I was so pissed off <laughs> that like you wait for this for six, seven, eight months. Yeah. And, and dude, I shit you not. 1 p.m. is when it went down. I had That's it queued up. I had it. It was like 37 seconds left on the countdown for red zone. And Xfinity just fucking dropped. And I was just like, bro, you have to be kidding me right now. And you think it would come right back up? Nope. I think it was like fourth quarter of the 1 p.m. games when it came back up. Well, on a positive note, other than uh, <laughs> other than other than Brandon Ayuk just being, you know, a god amongst men and, and frankly, Calvin Ridley being a god amongst men. You didn't miss that much. In the, in, I know. In the, I know. In the, the early games, uh, a lot of. A lot of the early games were what I would call where the the disasters happened, the underperformances happened. Um, of course, you know, Christian McCaffrey was great. The 49ers were great, right? Um, the Falcons were as frustrating as ever. If you had if you had Bijan, you're like, the points were nice, the usage was not was not amazing. If you had Tyler Algier, you feel really great. Um, if you had just about any Ravens, it was about as disastrous of an outcome as could happen, I think, uh, for yeah. for the for the Ravens. And we'll get into that, of course. But the early games, generally speaking, I think were kind of a little bit under underwhelming. My boy Sam Howell salvaged his day with a rushing touchdown, uh, which was nice, but also terrifying because this was the game he was supposed to be good because <laughs> the schedule is not awesome for them, to say the least. Uh, but then the afternoon games came around. And that was awesome. Those were amazing games. Even the games that we didn't think necessarily were going to be awesome. Uh, Rams just laying the smackdown on the Seahawks. Obviously, Dolphins Chargers was uh, the cream of the crop of the day. But even the other games that were in the afternoon window were were, cl were like close or exciting or, you know, whatever. Patriots battling back against the Eagles was not on my bingo card. Patriots falling down 16 to nothing and battling back. So long story short, I think there was uh, – a lot of like kind of bad football, but also some enough fun, I think, that I really enjoyed uh, opening Sunday. And it was also really nice to be able to turn off Sunday night football in like the second quarter. And Done. Immediately. <laughs> yeah, it was it was brutal. I mean, not to get into like home league stuff, but I was watching because we pay out the high score. And I almost sent my friend like money last night before that game because he was crushing and he had like daniel he still had like five players left and he was only down like 10 points and he was just playing against the cowboys d or something and he might lose now because of that so it's kind of like just batshit crazy but yeah that game that game sucked although yeah. pollard got his two tds which was nice. yeah pollard pollard two touchdowns i was uh i don't want to talk about that game like hardly at all because i also don't think there's a lot we can really learn from it quite frankly um but I do think I will say Pollard, great. Pollard is awesome. 
don't have to really talk too much about that. Uh, I, I was encouraged by the Jake Ferguson usage. So like tight end, I wanted to call that out because tight end is even more of a fucking wasteland than we possibly thought it could have been. Hunter Henry is currently the tight end one overall with like 16 PPR points. It's a, just a total train wreck. Um, but Jake Ferguson, no, he didn't put up a big box score, but uh, the usage and everything was really good. So I would be excited. Uh, excited is a, a quite a bit of hyperbole, but I, I would feel okay about where Jake Ferguson stands amongst the tight end landscape, which is, a barren, barren wasteland, <laughs> absolute total train wreck. We'll obviously get Travis Kelsey and Mark Andrews back, uh, hopefully this coming week. But um, let's first let's kick this out of the way because I don't. I kind of want this. We'll we'll definitely have some fun and take some L's. I got a couple of really disaster spots uh, that I don't feel very good about in my best ball portfolio and fantasy football portfolio. But I do want to get the J.K. Dobbins one out of the way first um, because it's just not a lot of. You know, we can't say anything positive really, and it's super sad uh, for, him. for him. It's and for sure. and you know, I, I have huge, huge J.K. Dobbins bags. Um, uh, my, yeah. my, and I, and you know, it, this isn't just this isn't just me. People that are listening, I, uh, if you've been following us, you and you listen to us at all, you were probably in on on J.K. Dobbins. But um, I also listened to uh, Stealing Bananas, Sean Siegel and Ben Gretsch, two people I respect a ton in the industry, did a recap pod last night. Um, and Sean mentioned, or, or Gretch was quoting Sean and was Sean saying that uh, JK Dobbins was the most mispriced player in all of fantasy. And that was my opinion as well. Uh, if you mm -hmm. followed us and you subscribe to spike week, you even, whether you use or have seen the rankings, I had JK Dobbins in like the late forties, all, all literally all, he never moved from the late forties on all sites. Um, and at certain points, he was going in like the 80s on the, the softer sites like like DraftKings. And he fell everywhere uh, when he was doing the kind of hold in. So, you know, if you believed kind of like what we believed, um, you drafted a lot of J.K. Dobbins. And that's unfortunate. And that is also unfortunately how fantasy football goes, right? Uh, I felt really good about he was in on, I believe it was, uh, I think Daigle posted it either like 20 of 26 snaps before he got hurt. Something like yeah. that, twenty or twenty-two. He was he was we, the guy. We were gonna print money with J.K. Dobbins this year. He he was the guy. I thought he looked healthy. He caught he caught pass. He caught a couple passes in those snaps. He obviously scored a a touchdown, um, in which he hurdled over a guy, over a guy at the at the goal line. You know, it, I think it was going to be it. Obviously, he needed to stay healthy for sixteen more weeks beyond this week. So who knows if that ever would have happened? But I think. The thesis of the play was was there, and uh, this is just how it goes, right? If you drafted Brees Hall last year, you're very well accustomed to this. And if you've drafted running backs like Javante Williams, Javante, right? Javante was doing Two this years in a row for me. <laughs> Javante was breaking out in that game that he tore his ACL. He he had basically stolen every snap away from Melvin Gordon because we learned quickly that Melvin Gordon is no longer good at football. And th this just happens, right? It's the running back position. It is unfortunately fantasy football. You know, we take our lumps uh, with our best ball portfolio when we move on. But I feel really bad for J.K. Dobbins. I mean, the like this is why these running backs are doing what they're doing. Um, this is also unfortunately why the NFL teams are doing what they're doing because these guys just get hurt. And you know, and then you you see Justice Hill and Gus Edwards step in, and they're not as good as J.K. Dobbins, but they kind of just <laughs> replace the production and. You know, it is what it is, but, you know, unfortunate for J.K. Dobbins, like it really, really sucks. He's a really good football player in terms of running backs. I think he's honestly think he's probably one of the best running backs in the NFL has been kind of every time he stepped on the field. And 
frankly, his career is probably over. Um, probably, and he really, probably done with the Achilles injury. It sucks. He's got it this year. He'll miss this year almost assuredly all of next year, and then he'll be 26 or whatever when uh, he comes back off of three big injuries. You know, it sucks. And so, um, I don't, like I said, I, I don't want to make this uh, like super negative or post-mortem and nobody feels sorry for you when you drafted a player who got hurt because guess what? We're all going to have players. Everybody's going to have yeah. players who get hurt, and it is what it is. Um, but, you know, like I said, that's one of those where you're going to look back. We're going to look back next year, and you're going to be like, if you lost money and you took a big stand on J.K. Dobbins, were you wrong? I don't know. You know, some people might say, ah, he was a big injury risk, and maybe he was. But also, you if you watch that first game, you know, the first part of the first half of the first game, you're like, oh, baby, <laughs> we were about to make a lot of money on, you know, seventh round J.K. Dobbins or whatever. And we didn't. So we move on and uh, uh, we'll get into a lot of the other stuff here. Anything else on? Uh, let's talk about the Ravens. Let's pay, yeah, move do you, from do you... Dobbins over to the Ravens. Well, just in the running back position, do you they bring somebody in now, right? Like they they don't just stick with Justice Hill and Gus Edwards as their two main guys. Yeah, this like is Fournette a, feels perfect for them. So, so I've been torn on this one. All so I, I I don't think I don't think this one is very definitive at all. Basically, I, so like um, I was thinking about this with the Chiefs. I'm gonna comp- I'm gonna compare this the two situations. So on Thursday night. If you, you remember, I'm sure you remember, I know you were intently watching with your Chiefs bags, but Pacheco kind of got dinged up on one play or whatever. He was kind of like, got, not limping, but kind of limping to the sideline. And I'm like, oh, fuck, here we go. You know, Pacheco's hurt uh, already in, in week one. He, he's fine, obviously. But I was sitting there thinking like, okay, if Pacheco goes down, we know McKinnon is just kind of this, right, like uh, very specific role he plays yeah. as a running back. He's not really going to grow too much. And we know CEH is horrible. <laughs> Like truly, truly horrible. I'm like, oh God, if Pacheco's gone uh, uh, and I wasn't drafting Lenny or Hunt, uh, I'm like, I'm about to get buried <laughs> by by Lenny or Hunt because they feel totally inevitable on a team like the Chiefs if they were to lose Pacheco. I'm not so sure on the Ravens. I, I think that um, Justice and Gus are obviously going to be there uh, and playing an active justice was the running back to when Dobbins was out there. He was, he was, he stepped right in when Dobbins got hurt and scored the goal line touchdown. He was the guy who was mixing in on passing downs and just mixing in a little bit with Dobbins. He's for sure the next man up in a role. And Gus has kind of always been a pretty good runner, actually. Like he's a better runner than, than Lenny or Kareem Hunt are um, say whatever we want about his limitations as a football player. And they did sign Melvin Gordon. Like, and so say whatever we want about Melvin Gordon. He oh, yeah, definitely sucks. About Melvin Gordon signing there. Melvin Gordon got activated from the practice squad already. They kept him around and they signed him. They also kept Keaton Mitchell, Keaton, Keaton Mitchell from ECU. This little, he's kind of like, a, a, reminds me of Justice Hill. This really, li- this little guy, super explosive, but they kept, they didn't cut him. He's on IR right now, but they didn't cut him. So I feel like between Melvin, Justice, Gus, and this rookie, they kind of feel comfortable with their running back room. I'm not sounds saying it's so gross. It, it sounds it's, so gross. It's really gross. But like our Kareem Hunt and Leonard Fournette really yeah. that much better at this point. You could argue they're better, but like by how much? I don't know. Yeah. I don't I don't really think it moves the needle. So I actually think they stand pat with those four guys. Mitchell, once he comes off off IR and like I think Melvin was there. Fournette or Hunt or whatever, you know, that that's kind of my, my thing. I, I, 
I bet they're wishing that like Dalvin was still around. Cause I think Dalvin's a little bit better than those other guys at this point in their career. If I were them, I would go calling around to like the Eagles. Like you guys really don't want to play Rashad Penny. Would you take a six rounder for him? You know, like I, that's what I would do if I were them as opposed to uh Fournette or hunt. But I kind of think they stand pat, but I, I that's like, 60 40 70 i don't think it's like i'm not pounding the table saying there's no chance they signed leonard fournette i think it's possible but i actually might be a little surprised yeah i mean i forgot i honestly completely forgot about the melvin gordon thing um until you brought it up and then that's what made me wince i was just like oh fuck yeah that's probably not great so i don't know we'll see i i still think fournette or hunt half the go i mean obviously there's gonna be more injuries but there's no way both of those guys are out of the league right now. Like, like for the rest of the year. So no, they're waiting interesting for to see where they go. This is what they're waiting. For. They're waiting yeah. for JK Dobbins injuries. They're waiting for Pacheco injuries or right. Uh, yeah. Yeah. James cook goes down or what tonight, you know, uh, Brees gets hurt again. The jets are like the jets will pick up Lenny or whatever and just ride with <laughs> Lenny and Dalvin cook, the dustiest running back room. The jets will trade everything oh. for Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> yeah, probably <laughs> they, they probably would. Um, I do want to talk about the Ravens really quickly. Cause I feel sure. like um, that, you know, you see tons of reactions and everything after, after week one across Twitter or wherever. And I haven't seen a ton of, discussion you know other than Dobbins I haven't seen a ton of discussion about the Ravens and I actually feel like in terms of reactions to week one they were one of my biggest in terms of disappointments I've been well known to be not just Dobbins the whole Ravens offense I mean I draft all those I I forced myself into Odell Beckham (laughs) shares because I was so high on the Ravens offense I have Justice Hill teams I have all these dudes they're all across my portfolio and most of them at very high percentages, including Lamar Jackson, who is definitely the most disappointing guy on the, on this team. I know the Texans have gotten a little bit better on defense, right? Um, we've talked about that. D'Amico Ryan's plus Will Anderson, plus a, a good amount of draft early draft picks spent on the defense and some free agents, but Jesus Christ, man, six fantasy points or whatever for Lamar Jackson. And they looked it wasn't like bad luck. There was a little bit of bad luck where the running backs just, you know, justice was stealing the touchdowns and Dobbins and everything, but he never looked comfortable. I thought Todd Monken had a really bad game as an offensive coordinator calling plays. They, there was one time they got down in like maybe even inside the 10 and it's third, no, it's second and like four. And they run the little, uh, uh, trips bunch set on the left side and throw a quick screen to Zay flowers and Lamar throws a shitty pass. You know how the screens get blown up when the quarterback throws a bad pass. Zay gets nowhere and they line back up in the same formation and throw it again, the next play. And guess what? He went fucking nowhere again on third down and they kicked the field goal. And I was just like, Todd buddy, what, like you, what about the first time that you ran that made you think that it was going to be so much better the, the second time. And it was just a lot of, gross from the Ravens and I really thought that they would come light it up in week one so just one week like a you know we'll talk about the Bengals and other offenses and stuff but I just thought we would see more excitement and and it, everything just looked off you know what I mean they it just looked like they weren't comfortable it felt like a lot of teams were feeling themselves out for the most part with either new OCs new coaches some new staff or whatever more so than past years like the teams that were kind of the teams that didn't change much. So for example, the dolphins, the 49ers that came back with like the same smashed. coaching staff game players, absolutely smashed. Um, chargers looked okay. 
Like that, I they were fine. I still felt they were a little bit off, and they they were still kind of learning what they were going to do with um. Eckler and Keenan are really good, but outside yeah. of that, it didn't look good. <laughs> yeah, Parham so seems Parham Par- looked Par- good. Par- Parham might be burying Gerald Everett. By the way, we that's another guy we haven't. Nobody not good for no, me. <laughs> nobody is really talking about as a reaction to Week One, but Parham was it was basically a 50-50 split between those two guys. Yeah, and I had so much Parham last year. So this or two years of, ago, remember? It might have been two years ago. Yeah, that asshole yeah. never played when we all drafted him <laughs> in the 18th round, and now we're drafting Gerald Everett, and he's gonna he's gonna be the guy. Yeah. So it just, it just really felt like teams were feeling themselves out. I think the other thing that you can take away, you brought it up earlier. I'm not gonna say it's gonna happen all 17, 18 weeks of the season, but the Patriots getting an actual offensive coordinator. Like, do they look like a, they're going to light you up on the scoreboard team? No, but they look confident, yep. right? So getting all these guys late, I think me and you had like a a laugh like last week or the week before because you brought up Kendrick Bourne. I was like, dude, I'm drafting Kendrick Bourne too. And that felt great, <laughs> I right? Felt, I, felt, I felt like I didn't even want to say it. I'm like, I'm like, these Kendrick Bourne bags are starting to feel real heavy on drafters <laughs> specifically. I'm like, well, I can't keep, I can't stop clicking Kendrick Bourne in the 20th round. And I like, yeah. didn't want to say it. And then I was like, you know what? I'll share it with Rob. And you're like, me too. I keep drafting Kendrick Bourne. <laughs> yeah. So I started grabbing a ton of Kendrick Bourne late on drafters. I mean, I'm only up to 5%, but it was like a late thing I started doing. Yeah. I, I have a ton of Hunter Henry everywhere yep. um, other than underdog. And this, so Hunter Henry, and no matter what he does for the rest of the season, he pointed out one of my best ball leaks for that I need to be sure of going forward. And it's going to be tough to do this with every player. But I stopped drafting Hunter Henry on underdog because I knew I had a lot of Hunter Henry bags overall. And like when I went and looked, my Hunter Henry bags, for example, on drafters are think um 15 i think it's 20 percent on DraftKings, so it sounds super heavy and then i looked it up on underdog and it's seven percent and i and i remember making the mental note to stop drafting hunter henry on underdog and i should have been evaluating that right like making sure that i was overweight everywhere before i decided to and just fixing that this happened to me he was he he was like my jk dobbins of tight ends how many times did we say all summer like this hunter henry price doesn't make sense this hunter henry price doesn't make sense and he never even got to where i had him ranked on any site he rose but he never got even i had him ranked still like 20 spots ahead of where he rose to but i just like backed off and i i like you see on across all now this is all of underdog i can go to uh yeah best ball mania i think there's a little bit more on best ball mania but like i'm just I think it, it's not updating, but, uh, but, but like to across all of underdog, I have 9% Hunter Henry. And it's like, that's not what I planned for. You know what I mean? Right. I wanted to have 15 or 20 and I just, you know, that was a leak for sure. Uh, a total leak. I, I totally agree. I did want to pull up uh, once I, you know, I don't have to have this on the screen as it uh, loads and everything, but I was going to pull up my Kendrick when I think I got to like 20% on, on drafter. So uh, rough. Yeah, like I said, I had 20% sure. on DraftKings. I had 15% on drafter. So like I knew I was drafting in those places. I, I need to make sure I'm doing, and I, I need to make sure what I'm doing before I do it is kind of the, the lesson because what, whatever he does the rest of the season, he has a significant role in this offense. 
he's not going to hit every single week, obviously. It's just not the way that team's going to play. But he's going to be out there. His target share is going to be pretty good. And we were getting him 17th, 18th round for the majority of the year, along with Mac Jones that you could get 17th, 18th round. Like throughout the entire offseason, it was the best quarterback tight end stack to get all, all together based on their price. Mm-hmm. And Sam Howell rose up the boards. We did like Sam Howell a lot. Yep. But, I mean, he came up to like the 13th, 14th round by the end of drafts. Mac Jones, there's no competition for his job, right? Like, no. they're, they're, not, they're not bringing Zappi in unless he's injured. And um, Corral Mac, Mac, is Mac gone. Played fine. Mac also played fine in a pretty tough, yeah. tough, tough spot, tough environment, um, you know, against the reigning Super Bowl runner-up team. Uh, their defense is a little bit worse this year, but still a good defense and falling down 16 nothing. Uh, and to, to battle back like that. What I will say about the Patriots is we're excited about uh, Hunter Henry and Kendrick Bourne and Ramondre caught six balls and um, all th- seems seems fine. Um, they're not going to throw 54 times or whatever. <laughs> the, oh. Bill's plan is to throw it like about 28 times. Like, let, let's get in. Yeah, I, we we saw when the weather gets bad, then they did throw it three times or whatever in that one in that that one game. That is Bill's yeah. plan. So uh, I don't want to get out over our skis on Bourne and Hunter Henry and everything, but from a you know cost perspective, I do think cost perspective, uh, it's just it, it's going to be an overall smash throughout the year because you're going to get usable weeks from them, right? And, and that's that's spi- what we're I mean, looking for back there. You got spike weeks on, from both of those guys. Uh, uh, Kendrick Bourne's a monster spike week, and then uh, Hunter Henry right now is the tight end one overall in fantasy. We'll see what Kincaid and Conklin do and Knox, but uh, I would assume if, if maybe maybe Henry ends as the tight end two in all fantasy. Um, so feel pretty good about that. I'm gonna run through some comments, and we'll keep spinning through uh, a lot of this. But shout out Cobra Kai. He was a uh, uh, 80% Hunter Henry in DFS yesterday, but then also not shout out Cobra Kai because he was 80% Cam Cam Akers. We'll get to that one. I promise you. We'll we'll get to that one because that's a uh, a W I am taking in DFS and in in uh, in best ball. Um, Brees Hall, yeah, Brees Hall active tonight. Super excited to see how that goes. I don't. I'm not expecting a lot of fantasy points, but I would love a usable week. Just Aaron, just check it down a few times, buddy. Uh, I also have another over bad one weather a, game. Over one and a half catches for Brees too. So please, just honestly, twice. Uh, I'll take two, two catches from uh, from Brees. This is actually a pretty good one. Uh, Cobra Kai also says, <laughs> "Who is Brandon Johnson and the nerve of him to be getting targets that should have gone to Marvin?" Mims, um, this is part of the risk with rookies early in the season. Sometimes you get Zay Flowers or JSN or right uh, one of those guys. Sometimes you get Josh Downs, Tank Dell playing a lot. Sometimes you get Marvin Mims, who Sean Payton uh, basically doesn't play, despite the fact that Jerry Judy and Tim Patrick are both not there. Uh, it's easy to make assumptions about the rookies early in the season, especially when there's injuries in front of them, but sometimes the coaches rely upon the veterans. I mean, I'm not saying, I don't think that this means anything for your Marvin Mims best ball shares, right? The whole, the the thesis of the rookie was in a late season or whatever, but he was a late round pick as opposed to like a JSN or something where you want a little something early in the season, but it's also 
slightly concerning that Sean Payton brought in little Jordan Humphrey Humphrey? on on Tuesday. (laughs) He got, he just got cut from a different team. He brought in little Jordan Humphrey on like Tuesday and played him every goddamn snap over, over, over Marvin Mims. Yeah. And played Brandon Johnson. So um, even like Dulcich went down. It's gross in Denver, man. It's, it's really gross in Denver. Uh, I'm playing Washington defense again this coming week against uh, uh, Russ and and Sean Payton, but uh, I wouldn't be too worried about Marvin Mims. You know, it is what it is. Corlin Sutton, right? Like to me, that was the takeaway from and Judy when Judy and when Judy comes back, um, both of them too wheels up. But in in terms of best ball, just the price on Corlin Sutton all year, and we and I think we said we talked about the three wide receivers, and I'm like, of the three, I'm obviously drafting Mims because he's he's cheap. But as he rose up the board, it's like the value here is Cortland Sutton in the eighth round or seventh round or wherever the hell you were getting him. It was it just seemed like it seemed like another misprice. And again, is it a week one overreaction? Potentially, but we know that he's on the field. We know he's getting targets. We know he's part of the game plans. So I think Cortland Sutton was the um, obvious overlook in this offense over the summer. I do. I do think uh, he made a lot more sense once. So like Mims really started to rise when Patrick got hurt, as yeah. he should, as he should have. But Sutton really n- didn't move a lot. That didn't Sutton, move. Sutton started to move when Judy got hurt, and it's like I do see that. But I actually think Tim Patrick going down was like, God, they don't have any other outside wide receivers besides him and Mims. So Sutton is the veteran who we know is sturdy. And I didn't really, I didn't like Sutton a lot this year, uh, but I did buy a, a little bit. I, that was kind of when I bought back a little bit. It's like you know, I, I probably wish I did it a smidge more. But, um, you know, that is, is what it is. But I do think, yeah, just locked in. I also thought he looked a little better uh, than last year in yeah. week one. And like you said, small, small, small sample. Uh, shout, shout out, David. Uh, again, uh, Sundays, if you have Sirius XM, I'm on on Sundays from 6 to 9 p.m. Uh, hanging out with some of the RG guys, sweating the end of the ba- uh, baseball game, sweating the end of the uh, uh, football games and talking fantasy, talking DFS, talking showdown, talking best ball, all that good stuff. But uh, STL cards, Justin Van Zuden, for anybody knows, uh, was talking about his league where he only had Dallas defense left to try to catch the guy that he was, <laughs> that he was, that he was facing in his, his main league. And uh, uh, they, you know, scored twice very quickly. And we're like, Oh, that's, that's, that's pretty fun for you. But then we were also like, this also is happening to other people where they're like, oh, you know, I, it's going to be down to the wire or I feel really good. I'll, I just mm. need Garrett Wilson to outscore the Cowboys defense. And it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> oh, no. This is uh, they scored. I don't know what it was, depending upon your scoring format. 40 just, in my in my league scoring. They setting. scored so somewhere in that wheelhouse. Probably they scored 39 on FFPC. That's what I was looking at right before right before this. Because um, the team that is in we got a chance to get second in points this week but the te- we can't catch the team that's in first because they had the fucking ca- they had the cowboys defense and we had we had commanders and they were fine but the one one team drops 40 uh thank god they weren't on the main scene. slate because seriously that, that would have been like the grossest thing right the first week of dfs and you can't win anything because the freak i mean who knows what they would have been priced at and blah 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 but you know Chances are you weren't going to have the Dallas defense and they were going to bury you in every tournament. A hundred percent. Absolutely. They were going to be 3% owned and uh, you had, to, you were going to have, have to have them. Um, let's get to the next one. Cause I do want to talk about this one. Um, the Rams uh, Matt mentions his 35% Kyron Williams exposure feels 
mighty fine right about now. And uh, shout out D Web, thanks for getting me on to Kyron uh, and Jake, aka Snake Wells. Dropped Kyron Saturday night to get likely RIP to you for dropping the Rams RB one, which we learned on on Sunday, and that was probably the Rams were the thing for me. If we're, if we're going to take our L's, I'm going to take this one W as well that I'm most excited about. Um, certainly more than Kendrick Bourne and, and Justice Hill and these other ones. Uh, honestly, I'll also be honest with you that it's a little bit of luck. I do think the Kyron one, I feel really good about the whole process of getting getting there with Kyron because I think the thesis was, look, dummies, he, he got to play last year in week one like in a very real role over Cam Akers. The Rams clearly don't love Cam Akers. Cam Akers is also not that good. And we saw all offseason that they told us, like, no, in camp, Kyron's getting time with the ones. Kyron is playing in passing downs. Kyron never played in the preseason, which is like, like bells should be going off with Sean McVay when the guy doesn't play in the preseason, that they are in a real role because that's what he does to starters. If you're a starter, you don't play in the preseason, point blank period. That happened to Tutu, and that happened to Kyron Williams that were kind of shockers to all of us. Once that happened, I started smashing those guys. So um, something to think about for next year with the Rams, but also part of the thesis was I thought the Rams were going to be really bad. <laughs> so uh, that may not end up being necessarily true. So kind of one of those things where you're 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 wrong but end up right. But I think the Kyron Williams thing um, – was something that if you've been paying like super close attention, you got onto him. And yeah, he's he he ended up kind of across all sides being my highest owned running back because I didn't really draft a ton of Damian Harris and Rashad Penny, who are my highest owned. And I guess him and Dobbins, uh, Dobbins for sure is right up there. But um, feeling really good about the Kyron Williams thesis, kind of no matter how it plays out the rest of the year, I think we saw getting that guy. He also is like not even 100% drafted, right? Like if you drafted on BBM or the DK Millie stuff that was op open all summer, he wasn't getting drafted at the beginning. So like, man, to get a guy that's like, I don't know, 50% drafted, 60% drafted, maybe across the tournament uh, and, and getting him in the last round and he's, you know, at worst, the 1B, probably the 1A in this backfield, certainly from a high-value touch perspective. He's getting passing downs and goal line work. Just feel really good about Kyron. And then, man, I couldn't have been more wrong about the Rams, but I'm sure happy that I was because that offense looked good, man. Like, yeah. Puka, Puka looked looks good. Sorry, someone goddamn calling me. Why does this always happen when I'm on the show? Uh, Puka looked absolutely for real. Tutu, I thought, looked really, really good, too, like a much more diverse wide receiver than we think for this, you know, 140-pound 140 140 pound dude. And Stafford is still good. Spoiler yeah. alert. Matthew yeah. Stafford and Sean McVay. Are st Stafford was balling, man. So um, I still think the defense is bad, despite the fact that they really shut down the Seahawks yesterday. And if Stafford can stay healthy, you're going to get cut back in a few weeks. This offense, I think we're going to be in for a You think they're going to get yeah. cut back? If if they get cut back in, if they don't, okay, you're good. You're going to print on Puka and Tutu and Kyron and stuff, uh, probably Higby. But if they do get cut back in a little while, I actually think Van might Van Jefferson might go away. Like I don't know how you bench Puka and Tutu for Van Jefferson in in a month when when Cooper Cup might come back. So um, kind of my they, takeaway. They've always the tried to get rid of Van Jefferson though. Like that, they've made it a point that like there's there was the Allen Robinson experiment, there was the Odell experiment. Like all of the time, it's like just to keep reducing 
his role. He just ends up staying with the Rams. I have to thank you for getting me on Kyron Williams, by the way, because I was not on him. And my exposure across the three sites kind of tells the story of that. Same for me. I did a lot of my – so I think we're reverse for the most part, kind of. My DraftKings was drafted a lot earlier, and I kind of stopped drafting on DraftKings. I have 2% Kyron Williams on DraftKings. Underdog was kind of a flat draft across the year. I have 8%. And drafters, I have 15% Kyron Williams. So you kind of see the story of like when I was, when you got me on him and how that rose across the other two sites. And it could only rise to 8% on um, underdog. But because I was hammering all drafters drafts late, I got Kyron quite more significantly than i did on the other sites with the 15 or 16 percent exposure you know and there's good and bad stuff the bad part is i was getting dobbins on drafters um i have 35 percent dobbins or something like that on drafters so that's because that's when the price dipped and i thought it was the best value so there are peaks and valleys to this but one of the one of the peaks is kyron williams late on those teams and there's probably a significant amount that are JK Dobbins team. So it's like, yeah, this sucks and the draft capital sucks and it probably overall sucks, but at least I got the piece that can kind of lift it up. Hopefully some of these weeks and it, it did week one. It's funny you say that. Cause I, uh, uh, I've been like happy, but also lamenting that like, I'm going to get dusted on underdog. I think <laughs> because all the guys who, ended up becoming the hits that I was lucky enough to get onto where guys I got onto, you know, in the last month or something like that, you know, from training camp, like later in training camp preseason on is when Mm -hmm. I really got onto these guys who ended up kind of being more of the hits. I didn't know about Kyron. Like nobody knew about Kyron Williams in May and early June and stuff. And I was drafting on underdog specifically, of course, best ball mania and some of their early tournaments then. So like I have 8% Kyron Williams across all of underdog. I have 46% Kyron Williams on DraftKings <laughs> and 42% Kyron Williams on Drafters. But it was like you said, I'm drafting DraftKings and Drafters later. Late, yeah. We find out about Kyron Williams a little bit later. And I knew, right, obviously in my head, but also using our Draft IQ tool, like I don't have that much Kyron on Underdog. If I'm going to get him, he also made more sense, I think, on DraftKings. Not, he made sense everywhere. But kind of as a pass catcher, he made a little bit more sense on DraftKings and drafters. And so I was just like, I'm just going to take him in like every draft. I'm just going to take him in like every draft, basically, uh, on those on those two sites. And so I feel good uh, uh, about that. Uh, uh, and it's not a pissing contest. Uh, cool. Liam, <laughs> Liam, Liam knew about, about Kyron. I mean, we all knew about Kyron. Like, you know, I drafted him last year and, and we knew about him. But uh uh, I don't think anybody knew he was the backup. I don't think the Rams knew he was the. I don't. I don't think the Rams knew he was the starter. I didn't know he was the starter, but we found out he had a role during during training camp. Um, uh, just to hit some of these, I do want to point point this out. Like, I doubt Miami will maintain their god status. I, I of course, that's how we we one works. I mean, they're not. Two is not going to throw for five hundred. I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news. <laughs> Tyreek Hill is not going to have two hundred fifteen receiving yards every week, and Tua is not going to throw for five hundred yards. But I think there is a good sign in week one. Uh, Also, Sean and Gretch pointed this out that I thought was a really good point that we know Tyreek and Waddle are really good at football. What was most fascinating to me from that game was the other guys stepping up and like helping them move the chains and help, right? Like River Craycraft and Braxton Berrios and Durham Smythe, those guys stepping up and being able to be like, oh shit, it's not, it doesn't have to be Tyreek and Waddle 
every goddamn play, which last year, that's kind of what it was. And this year, I'm not saying those guys are great, but they might be just good enough. I thought Craycraft looked good, though. I, I think so, too. I thought they all looked pretty good. Even Dur- yeah. Durham Smythe, who runs like a yeah. five flat 40, was getting open. Um, and so I, I, I just would feel, you know, the only concern is probably Tua. Um, and they're not going to, of course, no one, no one scores a billion points every week, but I think you should feel confident in, in, in your, your thesis of, of your Miami stuff. And, um, you still can't trust Mc. I mean, I, I don't know what McVay's ever done really to say we can't trust him. He kind of tells, he actually is one of the guys who, you know, when he had Todd Gurley, we're riding with Todd Gurley. He's shown us, he doesn't love Cam Akers. He's shown us he likes Kyron Williams. Like what else is he going to do? Uh, you know, I don't know why he would change unless somebody gets hurt. Uh, what happened or what he, what he did in week one worked. So again, is Kyron Williams going to score two touchdowns every week? Of course not. <laughs> like, no, he's probably going to, they play the 49ers this week. Spoiler alert. Rams are probably not going to score a lot of fantasy points in week two. Yeah. So enjoy, enjoy, we enjoy week one. We'll get back at you in week three, <laughs> in week three. Cause they're not going to do anything this week. But I think like they showed us to go out there Puka had 15 targets, fellas, 15 targets. Like that doesn't happen by accident. Like that doesn't just, you don't just like, oh, ho-hum, you stumbled into 15, 15 targets in your first game as an NFL player. I think he's pretty good. He looked good. Um, so yeah, I don't think it's, I don't think there's anything. I don't think it's an overreaction to be like, all right, feel pretty good about the Rams. Could they end up sucking? Yes, of course. Could yeah. t- like Seattle could be, Seattle could just be bad. Like, 100%. like, cause they were, their secondary area, you think was not that great. If I recall from well, last the, year, the, the boundaries are supposed to be pretty like the whole thing. What this is actually why I played Puka and DFS yesterday was like the whole thesis was the boundary guys are supposed to be pretty good. And they're supposed to be kind of, they got bludgeoned over the middle of the field. Well, Puka ended up kind of taking more of the slot stuff. Right. Um, but they ended up kind of just sucking everywhere. <laughs> like they just got torched by, by Stafford. Um, and like you said, they may, they may just suck and there's going to be ups and downs. The Rams offensive line is terrible. I actually really like the 49ers defense, uh, this upcoming week, but like, you know, that's, that's the NFL we're, we're trying to assess yeah. week one and be like, what's something to be excited about from our draft process moving forward. And I a hundred percent think the Rams were, were a good one. Same thing with, same thing with the dolphins. Um, you know, but there, there are some ones pivoting. A little bit before we before we uh, do yeah. this pivot and we're answering questions i just want to point this out real quick um hacker brought up that a bunch of 18th rounders smashed and you could have just skipped the rounds 14 through 16 and we talked about this on a couple shows over the summer where you know if you're allocating like a budget for each round basically around 14 to 18 is all one dollar players for the most part you should in my opinion, not every single draft. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying to do this every draft, but grabbing some of these late guys, if you like them just as much as you liked some of these 14th, 15th round guys, like you should be, you should be making yourself do that. And the way I can, and it's not the same exact thing, but going back to the Ravens really quick, I had a big problem in the beginning of the year where I was just grabbing Bateman as my Ravens wide receiver over and over and over and over again because of the price. And I had to physically make myself start taking Zay Flowers. And I'm way overweight Zay Flowers now too. But once I started doing it, it it became much easier to do. 
it's it's real weird it's how it works though where you have to train yourself to start doing this shit like in order to break that habit of taking certain players certain places but like in those late rounds rounds 15 to 18 say you could you don't have to include 14 yeah if you if you liked puka a lot or you know keontae ingram will say like just to throw a name out that didn't do this do anything like and you wanted both of those guys oh and you wanted mac jones to go with hunter henry like if it made sense for your team to grab hunter henry in the 15th mac jones in the 16th you know keontae ingram in the 17th and puka in the 18th just do it like if it, if it fits your team and that's what you want to that's what you want to be drafting don't do it every time but now you already have a different team than everybody else mixed in with the people that you're drafting early so i just wanted to point that um comment out real quick totally agree and this is something i don't think i've done very well like historically but i think i did much better at the, at the end of this particular draft cycle where i also think it's harder earlier in the summer where yeah. you have a little less conviction about yes. the later round guys once i got the conviction on my guys late right i had a pool of guys it was of course those three rams guys um i'm trying to think of evan hall i was also taking Deion jackson then he shot way up but um I'm trying to think of, you know, a handful, Kendrick Bourne that we talked about, Justice mm -hmm. Hill, Travion Williams, uh, and some of these guys will be hit. Josh Kelly, right? We got news that Josh Kelly was the backup. They were all like last round picks. And yeah. so, like you said, I did this. I, I probably was a big reason why uh, Kyron Williams' ADP rose uh, so much on like drafters and, and DraftKings, particularly on drafters, because I was doing this. I'm like, it's the 15th or 16th, and I want – Kyron and Tutu and Puka and Josh Kelly and, and whatever and Evan Hall and they all go at pick 220. How do I yeah. get them all on the same team? Well, I got to take one at pick 160 or whatever. You know what I mean? And so mm -hmm. and just wanted to show that in the this is just in the in the $20, but you see my exposure with Kyron Williams. Uh let me scroll up. You see the, they had very similar ADPs and they're on the same team sick now. Evan Hall may, already hurt, doesn't look awesome for that thesis but you see the point right him yeah, we scroll point. down a little bit more cole turner obviously a last round pick if cole turner yeah. on 28 percent of those teams uh deon jackson on 27 here's puka right 25 percent 25 percent two two right 23 percent tank dell these are all like last round picks and they're all paired together because i did do this on drafters and so i feel feel you know we'll see uh long season again we're doing this show to obviously have fun and react to all this and take some W's, but it's really trying to assess the process. And I do think that part of the process, I feel, I feel good about um, because there was a little, it was a little stale from like rounds 14 to 18 or whatever. Uh, and I think by the end of the draft cycle, we did see Kyron, yep. Josh Kelly, the Colts guys, all these guys were mispriced. So like, just take them in the 14th or 15th because they're just as good as the 14th or 15th round guys. Devin right? Singletary, 14th round guy, 15th round guy. I mean, why is he better than Kyron? Why is he better or, than Kyron? Or why is he better than Josh Kelly? Right. Yeah. Like, so like, so why can't we bring those guys up? You know, we always talk about bringing guys. I talk about it more so in the first round. Let's bring these guys up to get some different roster constructions. Here's another way to do it at a much cheaper cost. And in the end, it doesn't matter. Now, Devin Singletary can still outscore all these guys throughout the thing. And we're not saying to do this every single time, but this is this is one of those things that I think can give you a gigantic edge by grabbing guys that are 
all essentially the same player. They're all $1 players in auction leagues for a yep. reason. <clears throat> they are all $1 players for a reason. Yep. So just move some of these guys up, get yourself some different rosters. And uh, that's how you're going to win specifically on something like drafters or whatever, like where, where you're doing cumulative also, scoring. Really huge on drafters with cumulative scoring because everybody's going to have a lot of those guys in the X rounds. Nobody is going to have Kyron and Kendrick Bourne and Justice Hill and whatever, right? So, like, everybody's going to have like, – everyone – Tyreek is drafted in every draft on drafters. Brandon Ayuk is drafted in every draft. Even Jacoby Myers is drafted in every draft. How do you – even if you hit the nuts – out of a, what did it finish with 85,000 people on drafters or whatever out of, yep. we'll just call it 90 out of 90,000 people when, okay, you hit the nuts, right? You had Tyreek with Tua and Jacoby Myers and Brandon Ayuk. Now, how do you beat? There's going to be other teams. There are several of them at the top that have all those, those guys. Let's just say they continue to be the nuts, right? How do you beat them? It's like, well, they might also end up with one of Kyron Williams and justice Hill and Kendrick Bourne. How do you beat them? You get all those 19th round smashes on the same team. And now he has Devin Sing, right? He has Devin Singletary and whatever shit bums that are going in the, that were going in the 16th round. And you have all the guys who Josh Kelly, right? Justice Hill, you have all those guys on the same team and you're just going to lap those, those other guys. You can also make up ground like, Oh shoot, you have Tyreek, but you don't have Ayuk, you know, and assume that they're both hits. You can make up ground by having all the hits from yeah. the late, from the late round. So uh, I really yeah. like that one. Uh, Steven, we're not, not probably going to be hitting waiver wires. We're mostly focused on best ball, but I do think you can take away some of the stuff from the Rams and, uh, uh, justice Hill. Uh, I'll just throw those guys out there. Kyron well, justice. Hill. Well, we can also segue this into a victory lap for myself. If you would like, of course, my biggest victory lap of the entire week one situation is, um, Kenneth Gainwell is probably your oh. number one waiver wire. Fuck pick I need to, out of I everybody need to get a, i don't this we're both going to go to war over this because i have this is my <laughs> biggest l of the whole goddamn show and it's your biggest w <laughs> it is my biggest w by far rashad penny i laughed i sat on my couch and i fucking laughed eric and i usually don't swear on this show i try not <laughs> to because of because of reasons but god damn it did i laugh when i saw that he was that he was, and I was messaging you guys because I'm like, <sighs> I tried to tell you about Rashad Penny, and I know it's week one, and people can get hurt, and shit can happen, but um, yeah, they they don't like Rashad Penny in Philly. They don't They're like no one likes Rashad Penny anymore. He's done. He's done. We gave this guy too much leeway. Like we, like he he, I don't know what it is about the the community. We have all these rules for running backs and all these positions and stuff, but occasionally, just like occasionally, we do these like little outlier things where like we just don't we don't read what's in front of our face. And I've been trying to be better at that. It's why I was only drafting Jameer Gibbs on full point PPR sites because mm -hmm. I thought Detroit was telling you what their backfield is going to be. Now I think Gibbs is going to get more work as we go forward. In the of year, course, to be honest, but I still like the way I played that overall completely. But Rashad Penny got cut by a team that focuses on the running game. They're saying that he's not good enough to play for them anymore. He goes to Philly. The Eagles get this gift with DeAndre Swift. They already love Kenneth Gainwell. They love Boston Scott because he beats the Giants twice a year. <laughs> like, who was going to be the odd man out the whole time? Like, I, I thought there was a chance he got cut because of it. But he's the healthy scratch now until injury happens. So, and you guys were taking him in the 11th, 12th round. 
Like it, it just seems so obvious, like to me. Now there's there's outcomes to where he still gets in, but even when he gets in, I, I Jalen Hurts rushes for twelve to thirteen touchdowns a year. Even if he reduces it down to ten, the Rashad Penny bags were just bad, in my opinion, by everybody. Like really, really bad. Yeah. See, I under I I have no no pushback on on all of that. But a first of all. You didn't know who the starting running back was. So let's not do that whole thing that the Eagles didn't didn't even uh, talk about who the the uh, starting running back was. Uh, they listed all four of them actually as as starting running backs. The the thesis of Rashad Penny actually really had nothing to do with any of all that news and stuff. Which also the news was bullshit. The news was that the news was that he was going to get get cut. I don't know if you can hear that. There's a I think that's yeah. a tornado siren uh, going off. So that's that, oh, that's fun. Good. Uh, yeah, that's that's awesome. Uh, go ahead and talk for a second. So, to Eric saying that we didn't know that Gainwell was going to be the starting running back, I'm going to say that I knew that Gainwell was going to be the starting running back based on my ownership of Gainwell across all the sites where I have him at you know somewhere between 15 and 24 percent per site. To be honest, I didn't know Gainwell was going to be it. I just thought he was a great value towards the end. But I agree. I actually, I I will step in and say I I wasn't taking Gainwell at the beginning of the summer, and then I was taking Gainwell at the end of the summer. So I feel totally comfortable in like my whole process with the Eagles. When um, I actually don't don't dislike the. Uh, you know, thesis behind the should have faded penny. I think Swift was the worst pick out of all of those guys. Like if you want to say we can't draft any of these dudes, why was Swift going in the seventies? Right. Penny was at least going in like by the, especially by the end going in like the one thirties, one twenties, one thirties, whatever. And Penny was the reason behind Penny was not that he's the starter was not that we had any certainty around all this kind of stuff. It was they have four running backs. Boston Scott is a, a special teamer. Uh, DeAndre Swift can't run between the tackles. Uh, the Lions won't let him run between the tackles. And all he does is catch passes on a team who doesn't throw to their <laughs> to their running backs. Kenneth Gainwell is the incumbent who is really more of a pass catcher. He's little, not really a run between the tackles kind of a guy. But, you know, they trust him. They keep him around. They clearly like him. So I definitely have nothing negative really to say about, about Kenneth Gainwell, other than I don't really think he can be a workhorse. Um, he played 60%, 62% of the snaps yesterday. He got most of the touches, but um, I'm not sure that he can be a total workhorse. Does not mean he's not going to be a fantasy smash because I, I would feel very good about my Kenny Gainwell uh, bags right now. But the thesis behind Rashad Penny was – He's an, the only guy in that whole backfield who was a between a really, really good between the tackles runner on a team who runs the ball and runs in between the tackles and just gave Miles Sanders like a billion touches for how many years. And Miles Sanders sucks. <laughs> Miles Sanders is not very good. Rashad Penny is a better runner. The risk of this always there, a hundred percent always there. But I the the upside was holy shit, Rashad Penny's getting 18 carries a game behind the illegal Eagles offensive line. He he just takes Miles Sanders carries right and Gainwell is the other guy taking the passing down work or whatever it's like I think it's weird that we're dunking on Penny just because he was inactive when okay Swift was active but what the fuck did Swift do and he was going in the 70s <laughs> like everybody just anointed DeAndre why was DeAndre Swift going in the 70s at least Rashad they had the same ceiling DeAndre Swift and Rashad Penny did same ceiling one guy went at 120 something and the other guy went in the 70s because of what 
his name. Like I, I, I never got, I didn't really understand the Swift thing um, other than we're continuing to hold on to his name as well. I'm not disagreeing ap- with that either. I can definitely appreciate. And I am here to, I'm, I was stating the case for Rashad Penny. The case was the ceiling. Oh, that's it. The floor was this and it <laughs> felt fucking horrible. And the moment I got the Rashad, I, <laughs> I, I had the inkling it was coming all week. And you're yeah. just like, you're just like, please, just like the Andrews. I just, I just had this bet. They kept talking so positively about Andrews, but then he kept never practicing. And I'm just like, this doesn't feel right. And the same thing with Penny. I'm like, this doesn't feel good. They're not going to have all four of these guys inactive. And it, it was him or Swift. I, it was going to be him or Swift that was inactive. And I'm like, I just fucking know it's going to be, I'm like, I know this is going to be Penny in inactive. And of course, of course he was, it's not good. I mean, there's no way to, there's no way to like really beat around the bush. He's with- also 27. And like that, that was another thing that I was thinking of when we were doing this Rashad Penny thing. It's like, you know, we just always hear about like 27, 28 year old running backs that that's kind of it for them. That's that's the age that we're looking for them to be pretty much done. I think 28 more than 27, but it's right there. And it's like the dude that couldn't stay on the field, the dude that doesn't want, isn't wanted by Seattle, the Eagles, as soon as they can make a trade for Swift. And I know like the profiles are different and all that fun shit, but like even the Eagles kind of told you like, yeah, we'll keep them because if we can use them, we'll use them. But we really like Kenneth Gainwell. We really like Boston Scott. And if we can do something with Swift, my only pushback on Swift is a very flimsy argument where it would be, even though I think he was wildly mispriced, like he was not going where he should have been going. And I do think it was on name recognition and excitement over him going to the Eagles offense, which Mm -hmm. to your point, not one of the better offenses for him to go to. Just overall, with his skill set, right? With like, his skill set, yeah. like it, he could it go, just if he went to the fucking Chiefs, you bet your yeah. ass I would have been drafting DeAndre Swift, but he didn't go to the Chiefs, right? Right, right. So like it doesn't add up. The only thing that I would say is like the likelihood that he has a twenty to twenty five point game or two, I think is a little bit higher than Penny. So I was willing to yeah. draft them just a little bit, like like um Hacker brought it up in either, I don't know if it was our private chat or if we were doing it on Discord. But I was, he's like, so show your Swift bags. I'm like, well, it's 8%, but here's my fucking Gainwell bags that are <laughs> right. over 20% on every single site yeah. because like, I'm just going to bet on the cheapest one of them, right? Like, mm-hmm. And that was the lesson that I gave myself. I'm like, just bet on the cheapest guy because Gainwell's going to have a role. No matter which one it is, Gainwell still has a role. He is, I didn't think it was going to be this. I'm not going to sit here and say that's what I thought this was going to be unless one of them got hurt. But um, that's yeah, the it big just one. seemed easy. That's the big one, right? Where I think it's also not always the cheapest one because Dante Foreman was the cheapest one, and he's dusted already in the in the Bears' backfield. It's it's Roshan and uh, and Herbert, um, but Jeff Wilson was also the, the cheapest in the the Dolphins' backfield, and he's hurt. But so who knows? But uh, uh, Devin, Devon. But you're also talking about also older guys too, right? Right. Like, that are right. the cheaper ones. But with Gainwell, to your point. What I also think sort of clicked for me, and I have two points, one to add to this, was that he was always going to have a role. Yes. No matter what happened with Penny, no matter what happened with Swift, Gainwell was going to have a role. So you, it's that is the small miss, probably big win. That What we're seeing now is the big win scenario where he is the lead. The small miss was, okay, so he's right. He's Gainwell of the last two years. He's going to have a couple good games. 
He's always going to be out there and he's going to have the contingent value if something happens to, right? Let's just say Penny was the, was the Miles Sanders of this year. Gainwell will, Gainwell will have a role and he's going to have contingent value. The, that is why I think he was such a slam dunk and I wish I would have got on him much, much earlier. It's because of that. The combination of all those things for Gainwell was just such a freaking slam dunk. And I hate myself for like, I was, I was hundred percent enamored with holy shit. Rashad Penny's one of the best runners. And if, if it works for him, this is a fucking home run. Like, especially on underdog, I am happy that I did it mostly on underdog because I think he was a better underdog pick because he's never going to catch a pass on the, I mean, he's literally never going to catch a pass on the Eagles. So feel better about that. The, um, the follow-up to that, where I think where I've totally kind of landed with the Eagles and why the, the Gainwell thing is kind of happening. I, of course I could be wrong. I'm speculating. He is the guy who I think they believe when he's in the game, he can do it all. Now, he's not a very good runner, like in between the tackles or whatever, but he's a pretty decent athlete. He was a good receiver in college. He actually kind of played a weird hybrid role, kind of like a Tony Pollard. Then he eventually took over the workhorse running back role. But he's a good receiver. So if Penny's in the game right, you're probably not going to throw it, or he's at least not going to be a part of the passing game. When Swift is in the game, you're not going to run it between the tackles because he can't run between the tackles. When Gainwell's in the game, you can do anything. The whole playbook is open to you. You're not giving it away. You're not giving away to the defense what is happening. And like that shit is important. You know what I mean? And I think that was a little bit of something I've percolated on over the last couple, you know, since yesterday, basically, where it's like, it's, this does make sense from a football perspective, even though I think Kenny, Kenny Gainwell is like the shittiest option for them as a in between the tackles runner. Penny is that guy it's kind of offset by the fact that when you're out there, you're not giving away to the defense what you're doing, or you're not limiting, right. like you're not throwing a screen to Rashad Penny. So the defense never worries about it. But when Gainwell's in there, you got to cover all every inch of the field. You know what I mean? And that is important from a real life football perspective. So just all these things are, you know, we're going to store in the back of our brains for next summer. Um, whether we hit them, whether we missed them, well, how, how they work out the rest. Like, like you said, I mean, Gainwell could get hurt. Like, shit happens. Penny yeah. could cut, turn around. Swift could, could turn around. Who knows? Anything can happen. But I think from well, a we thesis are... and process perspective, we've learned a lot, I think, through the whole Eagles shit show. But I am going to victory lap the shit out of this right now and just show off my <laughs> my underdog Kenny Gainwell exposure. Just in Best Ball Mania, 25% with an average ADP of 168 Love it on him. So felt great i'm gonna say it felt great Love that, it. that made um, me happy though the other morning a couple more minutes and we'll get out of here so we can all go uh watch the game i wanted to point out just a couple of quick guys off the top of my head that i'm reacting to that are not necessarily super as obvious or whatever uh nick chubb if you drafted nick chubb uh, he, he was fine in the box score, but not amazing, but I would feel awesome. The thesis behind Nick Chubb going where Nick Chubb was going was his role was going to expand this year. And if you go look at the box score, it may not totally look like it because Jerome Ford had 15 carries uh, like nine of them were like the last nine plays of the game when yeah. it was totally out of hand. And Nick Chubb had four targets. Um, he is a workhorse. He's a superstar. He's going to be awesome as long as Deshaun Watson doesn't tank that offense. Um, Travion Williams came back for the Bengals and looks like he probably took the number two job back away from Chris Evans. He played 29% of snaps. Evans played 12 or something. 
Uh, and it was not garbage time for them. Joe Mixon was out there. They pulled Joe Burrow, but they left Joe. It's like they want him to get hurt or something. Um, so Travion there, Derrick Henry uh, got out snapped by yeah, Ty J Spears uh, in a close game. That was weird. Um, yeah. I think it was probably a little bit just like fluky ish. They couldn't run the ball and Ty J's, you know, a little bit more of a gadgety passing down type of a guy, but I just, I, something to monitor. I would be monitoring that. I wouldn't be excited about it for Derrick Henry, but I'm not going to, not going to panic. Um, the bears suck. I know Jake, Jake, uh, the snake, God, they're going to the trade chat. Henry, aren't they? They're, they're, they're going to trade Derrick Henry. Probably. Probably. I want to see Henry on, on another team and see how it goes. Um, he could bury me, but I would like to see, I'm just sick of this Derrick Henry titans bullshit and i also would like to see the people who are drafting derrick henry just because he plays the texans in the playoffs i would love to see that thesis go to shit is that, yeah, but that he goes to amazing. a good team if he gets traded is the problem yeah that is that is true um and then um there was one more that i was going to mention and i'm totally uh blanking oh the the Bengals. we haven't talked about the Bengals. um definitely not panicking about that performance but i'd be lying if i said i <laughs> was excited about 82 passing yards from joe burrow despite the weather yeah. horrible 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 weather but burrow like i don't know does he have really small hands or i don't know what's going on i think but they he... were protecting him because yeah. if you look at lore at um reeves he posted a stat today where like their first down pass rate was like 29% and the league average is like 49% or something like that. So it almost felt like they were just like, if we can stay in this game, we stay in this game. If it gets out of hand or something, just run the football and get the, get the hell out of here type of deal. I haven't looked at all the stats. I didn't watch a lot of that game, but it just felt like based on stats like that, they were like, he's not a hundred percent yet. Let's just do what we can. That's, easy and get the hell out of here and on to next week type of deal yeah he it was it was bad it was almost one of those where it was so bad i don't have like a takeaway you know like the ravens were bad but still scored 24 points or whatever so like you watch it and you're like god that was 24 but it was gross the Bengals were so bad it's like i just want to throw that one in the trash and let's same with the giants they they do the same thing with the giants you throw it in the trash the Giants play the Cardinals this week. The Bengals play the, the Ravens this week. Those should be bounce back spots for both of those teams. You know, if it doesn't go well, again, like if the Giants can't score on the Cardinals and the, the Bengals can't score at all this week, maybe we'll reassess on this show <laughs> next week. But I'm not worried about it. Um, to hit the last couple questions, ML says, can we talk about Adam Troutman? Could be sneaky given Dulcich is banged up and Troutman is a coach favorite. Yeah. Um, not like super excited for Troutman, like in best ball from an upside perspective. I have like a couple teams where you just got totally locked out at tight end and I have Troutman, like maybe two or three total. Um, but yeah, I, I think totally fine. Like if you need tight end help in a league or something, you know, a FFPC maybe probably more so. Um, it's fine. He's going to play. He's going to play. They don't have very good wide receivers. And I agree that Peyton loves him. He's not a very good pass catcher but like i don't know i could see like a will disley season from adam troutman uh there to make a a russ you know russ seattle comp or or something like that i I think that that's fine yeah makes sense anything else before we get out of here i know we didn't cover everything but we will be back tomorrow night uh generally covering a different subject uh tomorrow night but we can hit you know anything that we, we missed we can talk tomorrow too Aaron Jones looked great, but there's the injury. So yep. that's going to jo- be a situation. Jordan Love 
I know it was Jordan the Bears. Love looked good. But Jordan Love looked really good. Jordan Love looked good. The Bears looked awful, like very bad. Um, yeah, the A.J. Dillon thing's interesting, like from a personal perspective, because I have a lot of him based on the way I was drafting teams. Mm-hmm. So interested to see. Did he look great? No, but he's going to get a lot of work if Aaron Jones isn't there. So that'll be um, that'll be an interesting one. I don't know. The Bears can't be as bad as they were yesterday. They have to be better than that. You want to know so. what's funny about the Bears? All summer, what was the thing about Fields and DJ Moore? Can't draft them. They don't throw, right? They don't throw the ball. They barely fucking ran. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, nobody had more than nine carries, I believe, uh, yesterday. And guess what? DJ Moore didn't get there. <laughs> DJ Moore had two, had two catches. It's like, well, the, the, the thesis didn't take into account that they were going to throw 40 times actually in week one. It was just, oh, we can't draft them because they don't throw. Uh, Have to was, draft them together. Can't, yeah. can't draft them apart. How dare you draft Justin Fields without DJ Moore or or vice versa? Or vice versa. God forbid. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's funny. One week again. Uh, I, I'm not worried about the. I'm not worried about Fields DJ Moore for fantasy. Not yet. Um, no. But uh, uh, we'll see how that one goes. Um, uh, oh, Justin oh. Jefferson's gonna set the NFL record for receiving yards this year. Oh, him and Tyreek are going to be duking it out. That's for sure. I think Jefferson's going to take it. I just think it's going to be him getting 130 to 150 almost every single week. I'll take I'll take uh uh Tyreek versus uh Jefferson. Most yards. I'll take I'll take, I'll take uh, most yards, most receiving yards. But injury, you know, if one of them gets hurt, I don't want us to, you know, we don't have to pay if somebody gets hurt. But uh whatever, we can come up with something. I'll take Tyreek. Right. We can we'll, we'll figure it out and tomorrow night We'll we'll come up with what our bet is. I'll take Tyreek. You take good. Justin Jefferson. Uh, if we missed anything, any questions, whatever, please tomorrow night we'll be back every Monday and every Tuesday at seven p.m. or uh, yeah seven p.m. Eastern. We will be here, uh, and then we'll get a little bit of a show schedule. We got NBA best ball coming. We got MLB playoff best ball. We're gonna have in season best ball coming and NFL playoff best ball. So we got you covered for all that stuff here coming up shortly. Uh, but we'll get that scheduled ironed out here very quickly. But for Rob and for myself and for my dogs and for whatever the hell is going on outside my house, we'll see you guys tomorrow night. Peace. Woo! Those were some spicy takes. Want to stay up to date with all of the other spicy takes we're going to have over here at Spike Week? Why don't you press that subscribe button below? You turn notifications on, we draft a team, boom, you know about it. We have another spicy take, boom, you know about it. You can be there. You can draft with us. You want to stay up to date. That's how you do it. All right, we'll catch you later next time here at Spike Week. Spike Week.